Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're here with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our leaders that came in and set up for you today. We're so happy that you're here. If you are here with us for the very first time, if you're a guest with us, we're honored that you're here. I always welcome our guests to come at least three times. Everybody say three times. Come on, say that one more time. Say three times. Yeah, the reason I do that is because I know that whenever you go to a new place and, or, or a new spot, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. And so we want to welcome you and make sure that you feel welcomed here. So happy that you're here. Also want to welcome everybody on, uh, watching online on Facebook Live. So glad that you're with us today uh, in digital land or you're listening on our podcast. We have several hundred people that do that on a regular basis, and it's been growing, honestly, on a regular, regular basis. And so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7 today. Matthew chapter 7 is where we're going to be. And uh, we are also, if you... If you um, check in on Facebook. If you normally do that on a regular basis, will you help us? If you have Facebook, go ahead and take your phone out. Let people know that you're here. You guys can, uh, we've actually found that it's created some great buzz and talk amongst our community. And people that want to go like, oh, I always wanted to check out Rise. And now you, I know you go, we'll go together. And then after we'll have, you know, tacos or something like that. So it's always great to have a friend when you come to a new place. So Matthew chapter seven is where we're going to be at today. We're starting a brand new series called Holiday Survival Guide. Everybody say Holiday Survival Guide. Now, the reason we called it that is because we know that when you come into the holiday season, man, that can be something you really have to make it through. And some of y'all just had Thanksgiving, right? Some of we, we all had Thanksgiving this last week, and we had dinner, and you met with a bunch of people that you don't really, you try to avoid all year long, and now you're, you, you sat and had dinner with them. And so uh, we're going to figure out how to have the best of our holiday season, and uh, we think God has something to say about that. Matthew chapter 7 is where we're going to be at in verse 1. And uh, we're going to read it today, and we'll, we'll read this. You guys have probably heard this uh, scripture before, and it's always been kind of quoted and used, but we're going to talk about it today. It says, do not judge, or you too will be judged. I like that. You don't, don't judge. This is Jesus speaking. And he goes on in verse 2. He says, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure, everybody say measure. Come on, come on like you got Red Bull in here and you're happy to be here. Say measure. Measure you use. It will be measured. Everybody say Measured. Oh, yeah, with a D, and measured uh, back to you. So how you measure, how, how you give it out is how you'll, you'll get it. In verse 3, he says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Verse 4, he says, How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? And I like how he kind of wraps it up. He says, uh, you hypocrite. Ever say hypocrite. Yeah, this is interesting because, you know, a lot of churches and a lot of Christians, they, they're called this. He says, first take the plank out of your own eye, like deal with your life. And then when you see clearly uh, to remove your speck from your, then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. What he was saying was he's saying like, listen, this is a commentary from Jesus on how to interact with people. Because you're going to live in this life. You probably already had it because you went Black Friday shopping, I'm sure. And so you went out and you found a bunch of people that you found it was real easy to judge, Right. You had dinner with some people this last Thanksgiving. You looked across the table, and, you know, Uncle Sal brought up politics again. And you know you know how to judge some people. And the, the people, what I know about people is that they'll give you the greatest opportunity to judge them. They're without fail, right? People are real good at giving you an opportunity to look at them sideways and be critical with them. And so Jesus cares about how we judge people. And really, he cares about how we look at people and interact with people. And that's kind of a commentary for him. So with that as our scripture uh, for our backdrop, as we kick off Holiday Survival Guide today, let's pray. Father, we love you, Lord. I know that I've prepared uh, some notes here, God, but I know this, that really at the end of the day, you have a note, uh, you have a message prepared for all of us. 
personally. And so I just pray that today, Father, uh, that the Holy Spirit would just lead, and that, God, you would guide us, that you would show us, you would grow us, you would learn, teach us to be better people, but also, God, teach us to follow you in, in all of the ways in, in, inside of your kingdom, God. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. You know, holiday season is tough, isn't it? You know, it, it's, it's, a, it's interesting how so much of our, our life is, uh, in the holiday season, forced interactions. You know, you, you spend a whole year trying not to connect with that one office coworker, right? Because they're a little weird and they always take credit for the things that you did and you don't really like them very much. But then the office party comes and now you have to interact with them, you know? And there's always these moments and holiday has a, an odd way of just bringing the weird people that you avoid all year around together. And it brings up these kind of interesting questions because I, I, these are probably the most questions that I get asked throughout the holiday season as a pastor. And these are kind of the, the five that, that, that normally kind of come up. The first one is, how do I deal and handle difficult people in my family. Now, some of those people, you've already had the first interaction with them this Thanksgiving, but you know that it's going to come back up through the holiday season. Maybe they're around more. Maybe they're, you're having more family uh, interactions. Maybe you're having more connections in your neighborhood. Maybe you're dealing with a lot more crowds of difficult people with family members, and you, you're having to figure this out. And this is a, a real question. Number two, how do I prepare myself for the people who drain me? How many of y'all know that there's people who are, there's some gain people in their life, right, in your life, right? You know who they are. And then there's some drain people in your life. Come on, can I get an amen, right, y'all? And, and the problem is, is, is that when you get around the holiday season, you, 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 you can't really get away from some of these people. It's kind of like because they have your last name, now they have access to you, and it's kind of a tough situation. Verse, uh, a third question would be, how do I put myself around people who have offended me or harmed me in the past? You know what's interesting about family is that they've had more opportunity and more time to offend you because they've been around you the longest. And so oftentimes, you have a laundry list of issues of that person, of your brother and your cousin and your mama and your daddy and your uncle and your grandpa, and they, you have a list of offenses, right? And they, guess what was funny about them? They got a list of offenses for you. And so you and I are stuck with people that, like, in the holiday season sometimes where you're trying to survive people who've offended you. And maybe the last one is this. This could be for some, for some of us that because we have, you know, uh, blended families or mixed families in here. We have what about the exes, you know, that you have to get around maybe your, your ex-wife or your, your ex-husband. And, you know, for the sake of the kids, you're trying to figure out how to interact and try to, try to uh, connect so that the, the children have a good holiday season. And, how, hey, how do I deal with that? And how do I connect with them or the ends? I, I call them the exes and the ends, the in-laws. So, you know, it's like the the in-laws you're, you're, you're seeing again, you know, all year long. I call them the in-laws or some of you call them outlaws. You know, you don't like them very much. And so now you're seeing mama-in-law or daddy-in-law and you don't, you try to avoid them all year long and now you have to see them and, and it causes issues because, you know, mom makes a better, you know, turkey and then and grandma makes a better stuffing and you just, and there's all these, and now you have 18 different stuffings on the, come on, did anybody have that? And so, you get in all these interactions, and the holiday just brings out some of the hardest things in the world. And the Bible has something to say about it, thank God, right? And he, has, he knew and, and, and that you and I would be in these situations. And so the first step that I wanted to kind of highlight for you today, as you're interacting and as you're answering all these questions, the first step in answering these questions and in our holiday survival guide is this, judge favorably. Everybody say judge favorably. Yeah, here's why. Because there's going to be moments and opportunities that there, people are going to give you to judge them critically, but Jesus here teaches us to judge them favorably. Now, 
What's interesting about this verse, I'm going to put it back up here, Matthew chapter 7. It says this, it says, to judge not, so this is Jesus speaking, Matthew chapter 7, he says, do not judge, or or other translations say, judge not, right? Judge not, or you too will be judged. Maybe the most quoted scripture right now that I've ever heard. You know, it used to be John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave, no one says that anymore. Now people quote this. They don't even, you don't have to be a Christian to know this this one, because most people use this to excuse, or or cover up, or to to even just give uh, license for bad behavior. Somebody does something wrong wrong, right? Or maybe you've quoted it like this, where you've done something wrong. And what naturally comes out when someone calls you on it, you say, don't judge me, bro. This is the don't judge me, bro scripture, right? This is the, hey, don't judge me lest you be judged. You know, you start quoting King James and you didn't even know you knew it. You started adding TH to all your, your, you know, your sentences and everything. You're like, doneth, judgeth, meeth, broeth, you know, and you're like walking around speaking in, you know, old English and, and no one knows what you're saying, but they do know what you're saying because what you're really saying is I did something wrong, but I don't want you to judge me for it. And that's not really what Jesus was talking about. In fact, oftentimes Jesus would say stuff inside scripture and he would say stuff and not give an explanation for it. And he liked to do that because what well, a very Hebrew thing would be was to go and discuss something that Jesus would say or a rabbi would say. They wanted you to have conversation over it. But this particular passage of Scripture, Jesus actually explains what he means by it. He actually shows us what he meant to do. And so instead of taking maybe two of our modern views of this Scripture, you know, one view of this Scripture, maybe the liberal view is don't ever judge me. It's like, again, don't judge me, bro. It's like that means, you, you know, we're all imperfect people, so don't judge anybody. No one should judge. No judge judging. Let's all just be hugs and be Christian hippies and let's everybody just love everybody. And we all, it's all good. Everybody just have a big group hug. You know, it's every, don't judge me. And then there's the other side of it where it's like the hyper-religious people were like, no, it's okay to judge because I'm judging, I'm judging myself. So if I can judge myself, then I want to judge you and I'll make sure everybody's doing the rules because I'm doing the rules better than you're doing the rules. And you see what I'm saying? So there's like a liberal view of it. There's a super religious view of it, but Jesus's view of it really was cultural. And he explained what it meant. I like what he says in verse two. He says, For in the same way you judge others, you too will be judged with the measure. Everybody say measure. Yeah, it's important. The measure that you use, it will be measured to you. To understand what Jesus was saying, you have to understand the culture. And anytime you use the word measure, it often referred to scales. Because scales often in the ancient world always referred to judgment. And so I'll give you a picture of a scale. I want to show you what a scale looked like. So oftentimes when people talked about measuring or judging, this is how they saw it in the ancient world. And what he was saying was, he says, I'm telling you, the way you want to be judged, the way you judge people is going to be the way you're going to be judged. And if I were you, I'd give people the benefit of the doubt. Like, if I were you, I'd be super graceful about it. In fact, biblical characters understand the idea of scales and judgment all throughout Scripture. Job was a character in the Old Testament. He actually says this in chapter 31 of his own book. He says, let God weigh me in honest scales. He's like, I want God to judge me with honest scales, with the ability to actually see me for who I am. In the Greek culture, you know, they had statues of justice was always represented by a lady holding a what? A a scale. He, that, that when you judged people inside the court, you, you, you saw it like that. Even in our own culture, we kind of even see that. In the marketplace culture back then, this is kind of a cool idea. Put that scale back up. If I went to buy something, let's say I wanted to buy grain, we would put money on one side and then the grain would fill this side and it would even out. And once it evened out, that would be the amount of grain I would get. But here's what was funny. If you were a favorable marketplace vendor, they called you favorable, they would give you more where it would tip down past the price of what it was in your favor. 
And so he would, they would, he would heap more grain, more things, more stuff than what it cost. He would give you the benefit so it would benefit you. In fact, in Hebrew culture, there was a famous rabbi who was a teacher uh, 120 years before Jesus came around. And he used to say this when it came to things out of the Torah, that one of the godly ways of living was simply this. I'm going to read it to you. And he says this, judge each person, this was his quote, judge each person with the scales weighted in their favor, that when you walk up to someone and you see them and you have an opportunity to be critical or graceful, to be critical or favorable, always give them more favor because it will be the, in the same way that you give to them, you will be given, it will be given to you. That, that God kind of sees it like this. So in summary, what Jesus was really saying when he said, judge not lest you be judged. And the same way it's going to you're measuring out there's the same way it's going to be measured to you is that when interacting with people, always give them the benefit of the doubt. That even when they've given you the opportunity to judge them critically, judge them favorably. There was a great story I, I read the other day about a man who was sitting on a train and he was sitting in a, in a, in a, a train car with his kids. He had three kids and there was a lady sitting across from him, and they were riding to a destination, and his kids were running around crazy. You know, they were driving people nuts, and they were screaming and being rambunctious. It's kind of like the modern day if you and I got onto a plane, and you sat next to a mom or a dad who had their kids, and their kids were all running around. No one, hey, have you ever noticed that, like, no one ever gets onto a plane, sits next to a kid with, you know, and her parents, and go, man, I got the best seat in the house, right? You know, you know no one thinks like that. They always think, oh, no, this kid's going to scream the whole time, or I don't know, you know, you, you know, no one ever things like that. And so same thing happened with the train. And so he sits down on the train and, and the kids are running around crazy. And by the time they, you know, get to their destination, the lady is so mad and so ticked off because this guy, this dad has not stopped his kids from running around and jumping around and acting crazy. And, and so she, she gets to the point where she's so mad and they get to their destination. He stands up and kind of gathers his kids together and he looks over at the lady and the lady has this scowl on her face and she's about to give it to him. Like, you know, and you know how we all do it, right? When you see, it's the same thing when you're sitting in a, in a restaurant, you see kids running around and you're just like, man, if I had those kids, I'm telling you right now, my, my life, you know, you just, she's about to tell him exactly how to be a good dad. And he looks at her and he says, I, ma'am, I'm so sorry if my kids bothered you. I, I honestly have just been kind of out of it. We just came from their mother's funeral and I don't know how I'm going to make it. And in that moment, she was taken back. Why? Why was she taken back? Because she realized in that moment, she saw something, what she thought she saw clearly, and she could have had an opportunity to be graceful and to judge favorably, but she didn't. In that moment, she didn't give him the benefit of the doubt. She judged critically, and that's the truth about all of us. In every situation, in every interaction that you're going to have in this holiday season, you're going to have two options. You can judge favorably, or you can judge critically. Jesus was commenting on this and saying, if you're going to judge at all, always judge favorably. It only benefits you. So in the time I have left, I wanted to give you, if that's the truth, and if that's what Jesus was saying to us, how do we do that? That's the question that it begs, isn't it? How do we judge favorably? How do we get ourselves to the point where we cannot, uh, where we can, where we cannot judge critically, but give people the benefit of the doubt? I'm going to give you three ways today as we wrap up Three ways to judge favorably in all of your interactions with your family, with your neighbors, with your coworkers, with the crazy people on the crowds at the shopping at Target when, you know, they're acting kind of acting on a fool. Here's how you judge favorably. Number one is this, judge actions, not intentions. Judge actions, not intentions. You can address, I'll say it like this, you can address their hands, just don't address their heart. 
Now, a misnomer about what Jesus was saying about judge not lest you be judged or, hey, don't judge. What he, what he wasn't saying was, a lot of people quote that. Again, they don't read the rest of the context of the scripture. What Jesus was not saying is never judge. What he was saying was, be careful what you judge and how you judge it. Because what he was saying really for a lot of us is that it's okay for you and I to judge the hands of something. There's some things that people do that are wrong. There's a difference between saying, look, I was lied to and they are liars. One judges the hands, the other judges the heart. And sometimes things happen. Sometimes we do crazy things. Sometimes we act crazy. And it wasn't the intention of our heart. And what a lot of us like to do is we like to go, man, they meant to do that. They, they plan. How many of us respond in a tough moment? Come on, think about it. Respond when someone offends us. We think in our hearts, we respond like they planned it. They had a big party, and they, they master planned on how they were going to offend me, and then they did it, and it was personal. And if you, still, if you like step back, you realize, now they just made a mistake, but you still responded like it was personal, like they thought of you when they were doing it, and they wanted to hurt you and hurt you bad. And like, it's like instead of uh, they were mean to me, they were jerks. They're jerks. That's who they are. No, they just had a mean moment. No, no, they're jerks. They're the worst. They're evil. I hate them. How many of y'all go that far in a moment when you're offended? Or so maybe you get, forget to be included on something. You know, you saw something on Facebook. You weren't invited to the Thanksgiving Day after party. And your friend was. And they might have just, like, it could have been a mistake. Maybe they did invite you, but the invitation didn't get to. Come on, right? Like, and, and in that moment, you were forgotten. That's true. That's a hands thing. But you moved it all the way to they don't value me. They don't like me at all. They think I'm terrible. We're not friends. I must not, they must not care. How many of us said that, right? And you moved it from hands to heart. How easy is it for us to do that on a regular basis? The other day I was driving with my wife. We were, um, uh, we had a day where my, my parents uh, took all five of our kids and we, we didn't have to be parents for a day. It was awesome. And, you know, people are asking, like, what do you want for Christmas? You know, Pastor, I'm like, watch my kids. You know, like, <laughs> anyway, so, anyway, um, but, like, we were driving around. And so I'm driving, right? True story. I'm driving, and I'm on the freeway, and I look over, and we have one of our church banners that are up. You know, we have these street banners. How many of y'all have seen our street banners out there? You know, the Rise Church banners. And uh, we, so we have them everywhere just to kind of let people know we're in the community. And, and so I'm driving, and I was like, oh, babe, look, there's one of our banners. And, and I, I looked, it, I wasn't paying attention, right? And again, my fault, but I wasn't paying attention. And I looked in front of me, and this car was kind of acting crazy. And so I, I hit my blinker to go left, and I looked over, and there was nobody there, guys. I'm telling you, like, if I'm lying, I'm dying. I did not see anybody. I, I turned, I started to, to, to creep over, and I'm telling you what, I heard it. And y'all, y'all had that moment where you, you didn't see him, and I, I heard, and I mean, there was honking, there was screaming, there was the flashing of the lights, there was the flashing of the fingers, there was, I mean, there was like colorful language, and I'm like, I'm like, I know, I'm so, and so he, he gets, he get, I cut him off, okay, I cut, I did, I did him wrong, I'm so sorry, so he's coming up, now he's mad, he hits the gas, right, he, he comes up next to me, and I did what, you know, every Christian person would do, right? You know, I just, I gave him the courtesy, like, hey, I am, I did the sign language, the Christian sign, like, I am so, you know, I tried to do everything I could to just kind of like, my bad, right? 
It's on me. I'm taking it. You are totally in the right. I'm totally in the wrong. And, dude, he was just not. He was trying to. He was aggressive. You know, he kind of gets close to my car. I'm like, yo, like, hey, I like, oh, oh, you know. And so he drives off. And I look at my wife. I'm like, babe, like, I didn't mean. I wish he would just, you know, would have given me the benefit of the doubt. I didn't mean that. I didn't, I didn't see him. I'm like, I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't understand what was going on. If I'm lying, I'm dying. Not kidding you. Like, two minutes later, some dude cuts me off, and I lose it. And I'm like, what in the, ah, like honking on the horn. I'm like, baby, he did this. And I'm like, you, why would you do this? You don't know me. I'm a pastor. And I'm like trying to show my Bible. Hello. I'm a Christian. Cut other people off. And then my wife goes, honey, you just, why don't you give him the benefit of the doubt? And I was like, uh, 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 oh, yeah. Because in that moment, right, I took it personally. Like that dude got up that day and want, he was waiting for me to get on the freeway. He checked my license plate with the records of Texas, found out it was me, waited for me to pull up next to him, and he cut me off intentionally. It was personal. At least that's how I responded. And I, so in those moments, right, we have those moments where we could go, like, I'm going to take it personally, or, or, hey, maybe that guy didn't see me. Maybe he is a bad driver. Maybe he was late. Has anybody ever been late? And you broke a law getting to where you needed to get to? Anybody else but me, other than the pastor up here, please don't leave me hanging. Okay, good. Or, 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 hey, can I get, can I get real? Is it okay? Can we get real in here? Has anybody ever, like, like, what if that dude that cut me off, maybe he needed to get to the restroom really bad? Like, you know, has anybody ever had to go to the bathroom really bad and you drove really fast and you, you didn't care what, you didn't care if you cut off a police officer. You're like, I got to get to the bathroom. What if, right? What if it wasn't personal? What if, what if you, you judged favorably instead of critically? The Bible speaks of it like this in 1 Corinthians. It says, judge nothing before the appointed time, which leads me to the question, okay, God, then what's the appointed time? Uh, when the Lord comes back. You ever read a scripture and you just, you, you just kind of go, oh, man. Uh, okay, so it seems like, okay. Because he will bring light to what is hidden in the dark and will expose the motives of the what? Oh, he will take care of the intentions. He will take care of the heart. So I can judge the hands and I could say, look, man, I, he was, there was a mean moment. He did cut me off, but it wasn't personal. I'm sure he didn't know it was me. I'm sure it wasn't like, you know, a rival pastor. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> has been known to happen. Anyway, I just, <laughs> judging actions always tilts the scales in their favor. Number two is this, judge with humility. Address them with a humble manner. We like to judge others by elevating ourselves above them, and that's all that pride does. Pride's terrible because it always elevates you above them. Makes them and their issue 
more important than you and your issue. The Bible says it like this, like you should judge humbly and think about who you are. This is what it says. It says in 1 Corinthians, it says anyone, or in James, it says anyone who speaks against the brother or sister and judges them, remember say judges, judges them, speaks against the law and judges it. When they judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting judgment upon it. Here's the translation of what he was saying. He was saying instead of judging others for not following the law or trying to figure out whether or not it applies to you, right? Remember, that we all fall short, just do it. That, that, that we are all sinful, fallible, issue-ridden, imperfect people trying to chase a perfect God. And that we all need a huge amount of grace. We're all on the same level. Pride elevates you above others. And humility keeps you right where you need to be. And when you judge with humility, what it's really saying is you're saying, God, I, I, I might be offended in this moment, but I'm in the same boat they are. I need just as much grace as, as they do. I'm no different, no better. I'll say it like this. We're not only imperfect people, we're silly people, right? I mean, we do silly things. Can we be honest? Like, silly like, get up at 2 a.m. in the morning to go shopping on Black Friday after you've just had a long day and everybody's tired and there's a lot of crowds and there's a lot of lines and no patience and everybody's caffeined up and there's five-hour energies everywhere and you're trying to figure out how to get the best deal on the one TV that's $20 that you would never buy, but it's $20. And I have to wrestle with you in the middle of Walmart and be dragged out by security. Local pastor gets dragged out of Walmart on the 10 o'clock news. But, but humility postures us and knows, like, I'm no better than him. I don't got this thing figured out any better than him. I was, uh, when I was first married, my wife and I used to hang out with my pastor who got me into ministry all the time. And I always teach leaders, like, hey, like, just so you know, like, more is caught than taught. So if you are a leader and you want to be around, if you want to be a great leader, you should get around great leaders and do whatever you can to be around them. So I just go over to his house. He'd show up. I'm like, hey, what are you all having for dinner? Like, I just showed up. I had no couth. And so I just show up from random time to time. One time we were having dinner with him, and he had just had his bre- a, a, a little girl. Her name was Lainey, and she was two years old. And he was trying to uh, feed his little girl vegetables. I remember watching, and he started out by just saying, okay, hey, Lainey, here's your vegetables. She's like, no. You know, the, you know, the little two-year-old kid thing that you want to just, you know, punch them. Um, and so just, <laughs> I'm not a parenting seminar. Okay, so but just like, and so she, she's like, no. And so he's like, he moves from asking her to telling her, no. Then he moves to like bargaining, like, hey, like if I give you like a chocolate bar, will you eat this carrot? You know, like, and then we start getting silly about things like, hey, Lainey, like if you just, he starts getting, all parents do this. Like we get to the point where like, hey, if you just eat one little carrot, I will literally give you five king-size candy bars. Just please help me and because you're trying to be healthy and you realize that none of that matters, but you're just doing whatever you can. And he's bargaining with this two-year-old. And I remember looking at my wife going like, let me just tell you, when we have kids. Anybody ever said that statement? Anybody but me? Okay, good. So I'm the only one who deals with this. So like when we have kids, I said, when we have kids, our kids are going to eat their vegetables. And uh, the other day I had some people over at the house. I have a two-year-old. I have five boys under the age of 11 pray for me. And so um, 
I have a two-year-old now, and I was feeding him, you guessed it, vegetables. And I was sitting there, and my son Winston, you know, my two-year-old, like, I don't understand it. Like, you, I mean, if you've been around here any length of time, you realize I'm very kind, sweet, easygoing dude. Why are you laughing? <laughs> and so my son is just, what's the opposite of that? That's what he is. He's not easygoing. And so everything's a fight. Everything's a struggle. Everything. And I'm like doing the same thing. I'm realizing I'm doing the same thing. I first started out by asking. Then I'm like, hey, telling. Now I'm bargaining with him. Now I'm like, son, like, what do you want from me? Just do it, please. Your mom wanted me to feed you vegetables. Just please. Just do it, please. Would you please? And I'm now begging my two-year-old, you know, and it jumped into my head going, oh, that would I so then I will reap. So I'm, I'm, I'm reaping what I sown, and what I sown was I judged critically. And what I, I bet you, what, I, what was funny about the people that were with us that night, I bet you the same thing. They saw the same thing, and they said the same thing that we all say. When I have kids, my kids will, whatever. But the truth of the matter is, is when you judge humbly, when you, when, you, when you walk around with humility, it puts you on a playing field to go like, man, I don't know their struggle and I don't know their story. And here's what I'm praying for. I'm praying that they, whatever happened inside of what they did and what they're going through, I'm just praying that God gives them the grace that they need to get through it. Because Winston is a lot of work. And when you do that, when you judge with humility, it tilts the scales in their favor. The last one is this. Remember the, the way we judge favorably. We're talking about how you judge favorably. Remember that judging critically darkens your heart. That it's judging favorably always benefits you more than it benefits anyone else. That it really affects the kind of person you are. That if you judge favorably, it means you believe the best. But when you judge critically, you believe the worst. And I've never been around people who judge critically all the time, who are like overly critical people, which, by the way, hype. Hi, hypocritical, hypocritical, when Jesus was talking about it, hypocritical, hypo, hypo, hyper, hypocrit, what, what is the word there? Oh, hypercritical people. And I just have, I've never done this. When I met someone who's really, really critical by nature, I never said, man, I want to go have coffee with that guy. I've never met a couple who's super critical. I'm like, I want to go on vacation with them. They're amazing people. They can find every negative thing in everyone. Let's go hang out. Because I've just noticed that critical people, when you judge critically, critical people by nature are complainers. They find everything wrong with everything. It's like all I want to do is punch them in the face. Oh, you found everything that's wrong. Good for you. They're, they're gossipers. Did you know that? Like, if you know someone who has, you know, it's always you know someone. Like, I know someone who has a problem with gossip. It's probably you. And so, like, like you might know someone who has a problem with gossip. You typically are hypercritical because you're always trying to find what's wrong with someone else. And then you bring to the church people, and you're like, hey, we need to pray for someone. Here's what's going on. It's just Christian gossip. They're thin-skinned. Everything offends them. Everything. I tell you what, let me just tell, can I just tell you a personal pet peeve of mine? If you are thin-skinned and, like, everything's offensive to you, we will not be hanging out. Because, like, you're no fun, right? You, like, are part of the no fun league. Like, you are no fun, no fun. 
I like, I like call you out. Like, I like, I, and so I do that because I'm a pastor, so I just feel like I have a license to call people out. <laughs> it's not true, but I do it anyway. And so, like, like, if somebody's, like, fussing about something, I'm like, why are you fussing? What's wrong with you? Put a smile on you. Why? You, are you, you know, like, be happy. Do you need sugar? Like, what can we help you with? Hypercritical people who judge critically, they, they're, you know, they're terrible spouses. If you're a man in here, can I just speak to the guys? I'm just going to speak to you. If you're a husband in here and you are overly critical, you're terrible to live with. You are. Like your wife probably tried to tell you and you just tried to turn around her and tell her all the things that's wrong with her. But let let me just tell you by the Holy Spirit, you're terrible to live with. It's true. I've never had like counseled a couple who was going through issues and the wife's like, man, most of the issues, a lot of the time, stem from a guy who's hypercritical about she doesn't do the dishes like this and she doesn't clean the house like this and her job does this with her hour and she spends money on this stuff and I would never be. And you're just critical and you pick and you pick and you pick and you, come on. And if you're overly critical and you judge her all the time with critical eyes, you're awful to live with. Rather than just being favorable, giving your wife the benefit of the doubt, that's for somebody in here. So Jesus is saying, look, man, before you know it, the thing that you criticize people most about, you become if you're not careful. Because you judge them critically. Can we, I'll just say like this. Can we be a church that judges favorably? There's enough churches in the world that are critical by nature, right? That's the rap name, critical by nature. stuff just comes in my head. That wasn't in my notes, and it wasn't in the first service. And, uh, but you, they are, right? You brought, some of you have never brought someone to church because you know that when you brought them into church, they'd hit five different ushers that told them they, 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 there was something wrong with them before they even sat down. The pastor told them how evil they were and how much they were going to burn. I want to go to that church. <laughs> but, but if we could judge favorably, can we be that? Can y'all do that with me? Sometimes I say silly things. And I'm going to get, let me just tell you, as a pastor, I will give you a lot of opportunities to judge me critically. I've said some things from this platform, and I've had people come up to me, and you, you offended me, and you said this, and you meant to do it. I'm like, I didn't even know you were in the audience. How did I mean to do I That was not personal. Please forgive me. No, I don't forgive you. You meant to do it. Okay. How do I? You're just a fire now. I got to try to manage. Because you're thin-skinned, and then what's going to happen is you're complaining now, and then one day you're going to go gossip. Come on. And, and I didn't even know that, that you were. Can we judge favorably? I say stuff sometimes. It's ridiculous. Critical by nature. Come on, right? And if, we're, if, if we could judge favorably, I think it'll give us, it'll help our hearts be full of light and not darkness. I'm going to close with this. There's a famous author and pastor. His name is Chuck Swindoll. And he, would, uh, he was really famous in the 90s. And uh, he would, I, I like a lot of his books. I was reading a book of his. And he told a story about how he was doing a conference. It's like a multi-day conference. And at the beginning of the conference, he we're talking famous guys, so big 
convention center, and he's in the lobby talking to people. And this lady walks up to him, and he says, I'm so excited. My husband and I are here, and we have been wanting to come to see you for years. It's one of the, he loves you. He thinks you're amazing. He's, you're his, he's your biggest fan. You're his hero. He's so happy to see you. And Chuck goes, man, that's awesome. Hey, I got to go because the conference is about to start. So, hey, I'd love to connect with him after. So he gets up on the, he gets up on the stage. He starts his conference, and he looks down in the front row, and who does he see? That lady with her husband. And they're sitting there, and he starts to talk, and he looks down about five minutes into his message, and he sees that he's drifting off, falling asleep. Chuck's like, that's odd. And through the entire three-day conference, they sit in the front row, he speaks, and he snores through the entire conference. Sleeps the whole time. By the last session, he's up there speaking, and he starts to get thrown off because he starts to get upset and mad and angry, and he's frustrated. And he's like, what? And why? Why does this guy listen? I, I thought I was his hero. What do you mean he likes me? He doesn't like me. How does he fall asleep in the front? I don't understand. What's wrong with this guy? I'm so mad. Throws him off. He ends the conference walks off the platform and his assistant's standing there and he's, he unloads on his assistant. I can't believe this guy. And then she comes up and she's like, and he's, she's like listen, you got to pull it together because you got to go sign books. So you need to go talk to the people. He's like, okay, I'm going to go sign. So he goes and down, sits down at the table and starts to sign books. And, and who happens to walk into the book line, right? Then this lady, she walks up and she, she has tears in her eyes and he's ready to give it to her, right? Like he's like, let me just tell you, I, you know, and she goes, uh, sir, I, I just want you to know, we had just an amazing time this last few days. Um, you don't know this. You, every night we went home, he was over the moon. He was so excited. Amazing. You're awesome. And he just, you know, and he, he goes, can, can I just stop you? Like, I don't, and she, she, she's, he's about to let, to let her have it. And she goes, oh, and by the way, I just wanted to apologize about my husband. I know he slept through most of the conference, but he has terminal cancer. And he's going to die in the next two weeks. And the medication they give him makes him really, really drowsy. Otherwise, he'd be in incredible amounts of pain. He should be in the hospital. But to see you in person was the last thing on his bucket list. And you made that possible. Thank you so much for that. Now, and he was like, I didn't see that clearly. And he goes on to say, from that day forward, I never, ever, 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 I did everything I could to judge favorably in every situation. He gave him every opportunity to judge him critically. And he just didn't know the whole story. Oh, it wasn't personal. It was just an action, not an intention. He had elevated himself above him because he had said, I'd never do that if he was my hero. But he, he, he needed to put himself in a level of humility, right? And that ultimately, you know what was funny about him judging that guy critically? It messed with him on the platform, darkened his heart. And so my prayer for you today and in this holiday season, that you would start with step one of our holiday survival guide and judging favorably.